You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey, friends. Welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I have a few updates I'm going to drop because I'm excited about a number of things, but we'll just start with the basics. DanDuvall.com is the home of the Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall podcast, and that website is not just the listing of most recent podcasts and so forth. It also serves as a store where you can get really cool stuff and where you can sign up for our newsletter and to be a podcast patron. That just means you get a few benefits and we get a few bucks. Now, Overcomer Accelerated is our platform. It is a learning platform for those that are recovering from backgrounds of severe trauma. At this platform, you get a number of things, including over 100 hours of coursework that has been designed to train coaches in how to help survivors of the deepest kinds of trauma. But but going through Overcomer Accelerated, it is for a different reason. It is to accelerate the healing journey. It, it does not actually equip anyone with the ability to minister, but to better receive ministry. Now, there are different ways to join the program, and, and, and those are listed on the website, overcomeraccelerated.com. But in addition to the courses, you also will get, uh, with the standard subscription, uh, access to group coaching with yours truly and also a book study with others that have joined the program. And you will work through books that explain things and are hugely insightful with others that are taking a healing journey. And so uh, that is available now for those of you that listen to this podcast and say, I want to be part of God's army to help the broken because I am in a position to step into ministry. I, I am healed. I have passion. I have a call. We have an an institute. And it's at institute.brideandmovement.com. And right now we are enrolling for year one of the School of Inner Healing and Deliverance. Now at institute.brideandmovement.com, we offer a ton of stuff, right? You can buy courses one at a time and just add them to your archives. But we do offer something now called the School of Inner Healing and Deliverance. We'll be taking applications through the end of November at the School of Inner Healing and Deliverance, which you can access right from institute.brymovement.com, you will be able to uh, fill out an application, schedule an open house. And, and this is the beginning of a what, what is now a three-year school. And we have at Bride Ministries released a bunch of coaches. We have trained people to stand on the front lines and help those that are overcoming backgrounds of government-sponsored mind control projects, SRA. They have extraordinary trauma and, and, and Jesus is working to heal them, but he needs an army of people to help. And so we have gone from a one-year program to a two-year program, and now we are finally at a three-year program and there's a lot to it. I'm not going to give you all the details in this intro, but you can get more info at institute.bridemovement.com and by clicking the link to the School of Inner Healing and Deliverance. The Bride Tribe Advance is coming up quickly. And for those of you that do not follow the church, you have not been getting well, the updates. Some of you that listen to this podcast only know about the podcast, but we have a whole community of what we call Bride Tribers. And every year we have a con 
conference that is an advance and it is going to be three days of radical transition for your spiritual walk. You're going to meet people that are like-minded from all over the world. It's so amazing. Uh, we are expecting well over 500 people this year. We're going to be meeting at the Royal Sinesta in Houston in the Galleria area. You could sign up at booking.bridemovement.com. Uh, 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 registration for this is almost over. So by the time you are hearing this announcement, you do not have very long before registration closes completely because this event is coming up at the beginning of November. So Please, if this is something that you would like to participate in, and it's going to be a, a whole group of speakers, myself included, and others, and we're bringing in some friends of mine from overseas. So I, I, I am very excited for those of you that will be joining us and for the rest of you that are just now learning. Don't delay. Booking.bridemovement.com. Lastly, we have a new book that I wrote. It's called Pummel the Devil, a biblical foundation for spiritual warfare. Why? Because I want you to give the devil a black eye. Like I say all the time, it's always a good day to give the devil a bad day. So I wrote a book about why. This book is available from bridemovement.com on the shop page. You can get the paperback today. It is only available at bridemovement.com and it is only available in the paperback format until November. Then we will be releasing the ebook version and it'll also go live on amazon.com. And so we are uh, just very excited for all the impact I know this book is going to have on people. Buy one, buy one for your friend. With that said, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those were your announcements. Well, friends, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And I am here again with someone who has blown many of your minds, and mine included. And her her name, at least what we've been calling her by, is Jerusha. She is a fifth-generation super soldier, and wow, has her story been intense. So I finally got her back. She uh, and, 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 and she is ready to drop some more knowledge and uh, pull back some more veils for us today. And um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Largely, we're going to be focusing on the United Kingdom and her experience there through time and, and different years and through wormholes and through all kinds of I don't even know what, because. I do not actually know where this show is going, but, you know, Jerusha, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much for having me again. It's an honor to work with you, Dan. Um, yeah, absolutely. Before we go into the fast and fringe, um, I'd like to start off right, though, and release a little word I got on October 13th, if that's okay with you. Okay. All right. I got this uh, word from the Lord. It starts out, says, Children of the Promise. Hope is the precursor of faith. So set your hope in this. All of my promises are my word made visible. Will you believe me now or wait until you can see them? I tell you, you don't, don't wait, but exercise the faith to make the goodness work on your behalf. My words are set out to fulfill what turns my heart to you and do not return to me void. So what is life without hope? An absence of my purpose and a rejection of my will. And what is faith without works, hope deferred, and the lack of abundance? 
you ask, what will satisfy my soul, my discontent, my longings? I tell you, it is being filled with the hope of all glory. Daniel 12, 3. It is my desire to crown you with glory and a multitude of brightness. You will be a beacon of hope and a truth for the rest of the world to see. That crowned countenance to those who've been tested in the earth seven times and have come out as silver. But righteousness cannot shine where hope has wilted faith and where love was not produced where I've tested you. You have an abundance of seeds that I gave in you, enough to even sow back to me what I have and will give to you. When I said, love one another as I have loved you, this is the way to righteous dwelling and to widen your tents and borders. To tabernacle with me when the stakes grow around the deep roots planted in my foundation so my spirit can pour into my living stones. All right, that says... Let this flow like a river and soften all the hardened hearts. Then you will understand how I, I will bring you all back into the workings of my gospel. Ephesians 2.12. And you will taste and see how hope springs eternal in your midst. Do not grow faint in your hearts, but like Isaiah 12.3.6. Draw water from the well of salvation with joy like treasure, hunting pearls and see what I see within. So how deep do you want to go? Says the Lord of hosts. Right. All well, right. I, for one, am ready to go deep. Okay. So it's been a month of uh, revealing. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's sure. Well, there's been a lot going on. Yes. I mean, it, it, like on the world, like playing board, uh, 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 Israel and Hamas are at war. And um, we're gearing up for another presidential election like thing and there's just all kinds of cycles going on and you want to talk about the uk yeah all of it's to reveal the tears and the weeds that's my say on that um yeah i i have had a lot revealed um some of it's been pretty unpleasant but you know it's a a great release mm -hmm. when things get revealed and you just let the lord unravel you so one of the things that i realized um was that i had an altar that i didn't know about and her name was rose and rose carried like the whole files of certain rituals in europe and then all of europe just from interfacing and ministering to that part of me that that i didn't really realize didn't have a voice wow. <laughs> but the rose represents rosicrucianism the order of rose and all sorts of other things that led into rituals and things that we were put into uh, mainly from age 11 to 22 and then the missing years um, teenage years those gaps have been filled too so it was it was a gift um, another thing i realized was that there is something called a soul splice or a soul split and when rose came up and i started getting some deliverance with that um, what i had experienced in this time was i was under one of the elites um, I didn't even know what you call it. I was like, it's like I was being dragged around by Lord Roth a lot when I was younger, even in airplanes, certain places, but he had brought me to a house in the UK and I had actually spent years in this house and this house had been rigged. There was a lot of tech around it. Me and my future partner named the grid keeper were in this house together for years. And that soul splice that happened there, 
Um, the only way I can describe it is it feels like a wedge is driven in your soul. A lot of people don't think your core can be hurt, but I realized that mine was. It just feels like you're pulled like out of time or out of sideways in time. Like one of the weavers, I call them, the spiders. I'll get into them later and what the Roths are, but that's what it felt like. And I couldn't speak English. I was speaking a different language and I had to... God had to like rebuild my core in order to be able to to function. So that was that was interesting having that memory come back. So when your soul is fractured like that, only the Lord's hand can fix this. And then he can correct all those aberrations and smooth around those rough edges to bring you back to wholeness and completeness with him. So we're in this house, me and the grid keeper. It was like a prison. Basically, we were starved in this house for years and trying to figure out how to escape this house because it felt kind of almost like a time loop in itself, this house. So um, my partner, he helped me integrate. Uh, what happened is that we eventually had to, we agreed to be part of some elite programs in order to have freedom and not be trapped anymore. And yes, that was a mistake on our behalfs, but um, that got us into other areas and even time travel together and other things. So we did end up getting out of this house. Um, he ended up um, more with like MI5 and other male type groups. I agreed to go with, I don't even know the name of what I was actually with, but it was ran by the queen. That's all I know. Mm. And so it was like a private mercenary group or something. Um, so anyways, <laughs> we started going on missions. We started, so thus me and Grid Keeper's journey begins. What I kind of want to share in the spiritual realm of what we got entangled with um, is called what I would call the beehive. Now, we know that the queen had her belt and the bee on her belt. What I was involved with was something that felt like it was a brain chip in our brains that was connected to her belt. And when she activated that belt, from what I remember, it would send out a signal to the rest um, of her beehive, to the soldiers that were on work with her. So I think this was some type of uh, tech amalgamation that I was part of. Um, where I met the Lord in this process and these ops that I was on was at a place called Betty's Tea House, and it was Upper York. And... I was sitting there and the queen would visit this place. It's a very popular place. In the back room, there was a huge uh, genie lamp that was gin associated. It was actually an ancient occult relic. It was a giant uh, genie lamp. And for some reason we would go back there and we'd have to touch this genie lamp. And something happened with our chemistry, like our pheromones or something. It was like a green mist you would feel and see. You would even smell it. And your mind would go kind of blank slated and you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really have much emotion. You were just on mission and you were in the beehive and you could see what was going on in the beehive um, in the spiritual realm. Cause you were connected and you could feel what the other bees were out doing. Um, so it was, it was very surreal to explain, but it was a literal beehive like that. <laughs> wow. So, so it's like a, you guys were, basically almost like psychically connected in this mess. We were. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing is that when I tried to block out the queen's voice, you could hear the queen bee or the hive, I would get punished for it. And I think it had to do with whatever was put into our brains, like a physical chip. And I would see the queen bee screaming at me and it was, um, if you had an impulse to say no and to not do something, then you would you would see that and it would feel like a, a burning. And so you'd change your thoughts to something else. Um, so something with that genie lamp, the tea house, all that activated us before we got sent out. And what I realized when I was sitting there in this tea house, I called it Black Eyed Betty's because when you get activated, it's like you went black and people you knew, or even if you ran into on the street, somebody would talk to you and it was just no emotion. You didn't, you were just mm. uh, numb. I realized in this moment um, when I was being tortured by the queen's face and her voice and whatnot, that, uh, that I could still pray. And I did pray in that moment to get out of what I had uh, signed off to do these, <laughs> It just seemed like we got involved with the worst type of people constantly, and it just snowballed for years and years and years. <laughs> but um, the Lord actually met me in that tea house, and the coolest thing happened because I felt part of that chip dissolve in my head, and I felt God touched my head. So that torture was kind of gone, and it felt like a band was around my head before, like a tight band, and the band just it busted off somehow supernaturally. And um, what I want people to realize, I guess, take away from this is that the queen hive is actually a realm of hell. And it's an actual beehive that I was seeing when I would get activated, when I would keep working um, for the satanic factions. And, but it is something that you can get out of. So, if, and, and, and this hive belonged to Queen Elizabeth, yes? Yes. Okay. All right. So obviously I have a few questions now. Right. So, so, so number one, um, how old would you say you were when you were doing these missions or how old was the body you were using? Give me a little bit of context. Um, my time in Europe was mainly from 11 to 22. Okay. So anytime between there, that's when we got conditioned and um, got into the higher ranks of certain organizations and whatnot. Um, so while Gridkeeper was out doing something, I'd be um, somewhere else. But we did get to meet and go on missions together and stuff. Um, one of those places was called, uh, there's a lot of gates, and I'll describe why there's a lot of gates there too. The Harrogate, one of them was called. Um, and this place was, the, uh, the Harrogate, was right next to the tea house and it had Turkish bathhouses. Um, this place was really very ominous. It was harrowing for sure. Okay, the Buxton Hotel was there. They had all the soldiers come in together in that place and there was these arches that were all over the hotel. So we get taken there at night by like the highest uh, politicians, government people, they were taking pictures of us as we were activated and standing in the moonlight in front of the arches of the hotel. And we were all dressed in black. And then before we'd get sent out to wherever and cars would take people to different places. The Turkish bathhouses uh, were run by people in the Middle East. And inside of those were portals that were the 
they looked like hot tubs, but they were actually portals. And they were taking people to places like side Turkey or very ancient operations where like a throne of Thoth would have been or something. And for some reason, people were separated as we were standing up front of there by root races. Like say somebody with dark hair, dark skin, they would be taken by the Saudi Arabians in a car somewhere or somebody that's very light skinned, red hair, European, they'd be taken with those type of people. So different handlers, they called them root races for some reason. They'd send them off to different parts of the world. Interesting. But the Harrow okay. Gate was the high gate. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I want to come back because I have more questions about that one, but the, the, the queen network now I I'm assuming Right. There, there were a lot of people that were plugged into that. Now, what did it mean for that network that, number one, her physical body died? And number two, that then um, they switched over from the queen to the king. And was there any transference uh, or, you know, do you have anything to say to that? Yeah. Never thought about that. She may have uh, given that rank to somebody else or some an offspring, but I think anybody that was still involved with that network at the time, um, I think their spirits would have had a choice to disengage, to be set free. Because when somebody dies and they leave the physical earth plane, like it's a huge release sometimes for people. Like, you know, we don't want to say like, thank God that person died. But for me and certain evil people, I felt that huge relief it's like a big relief that happens well, you're not the only one it's like anytime one of these major players dies people are getting released i mean uh george w bush was another one uh or hw bush like when he died out people were getting like released um yes. oh, yeah so yeah i think it's probably still active um but i don't think it's as powerful as what it was um and i don't think they have as many people because so many secret wars happened and so many things got shifted and changed in the time wars. Um, but me and me and Gridkeeper, we'd go on missions together in a lot of different places. And a place that I actually lost him at was called Narsboro. We had a lot of events in Edinburgh and other places too, but Narsboro was very significant because I, I lost my partner there. We realized, um, and I'll get to the tech part later, but we were carrying tech with us that we kind of became targets as we were carrying tech and other things for interdimensional things to just, just pop up and kind of uh, ride our coattails. So we were in this one spot at this house under a beautiful bridge and out of nowhere, a group of reptilian men showed up and I've never seen anything like this in my life. Um, we could shield ourselves. They couldn't touch us sometimes, but for some reason, these men, uh, went after him and they started attacking him, physically attacking him, but also biting him. And that was very strange because they weren't just like physically biting him when they shapeshift. They were tearing pieces of his soul and parts of him away. And I could see that happening. And it happened really fast when this happened too. So, and then he got kind of blank slated after that and he got taken away in a car and he was uh, very damaged. But the thing is, is like 
they disappeared. They just disappeared right after that, like super fast. So it's like where they trafficked his parts and pieces, I don't know. And then we have another Humpty Dumpty scenario, you know, like where did all his pieces go? Um, what we did after this was kind of cool, though, because we developed a, a face shield that was like a, a, a silver plate and it was bent so that when we'd actually go and fight interdimensionals like that, you could put one over their face so that they couldn't hurt you or infect you with anything. And then you could cut their head off with the sword with the other hand or drive it through their heart. Um, okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. All right. So. So this is uh okay. So we talked a little about the Queen Network. You got released now. Now now we talked about the Harrogate, and this was in the Turkish bath next to this uh, like this tea house, and mm-hmm. and and those gates they they went to uh, other countries. They went to different places. Would were those portals in this place like were were those for the physical? bodies of people or were these like astral mm-hmm. portals that just trafficked soul parts like almost like an astral projection it was physical bodies um Whoa. wow you could travel physically with the tech and i'll explain how one in a moment um i guess the only other thing i want to say is that we were also connected to i think galactic clocks and out of earth system clocks and Lloyd's of London, each person, each soldier had a clock and contracts there that we were connected to and contracts out on us. So it's kind of like that show with uh, Justin Timberlake in time, a little bit of that, but I do remember a lot with being connected to clocks and always looking at clocks like Big Ben or certain things and um, always feeling like we're running out of time or we were getting to die. So there's a lot of programming with clocks and then Blackpool was, they had like a triangle network of, uh, we mapped out the grids and we mapped out all sorts of things and how they were doing this and that, like from every part of the seacoast in the UK, we just, we knew it all. You can get anywhere in seven hours or faster. Um, but Blackpool was the major, major center because they had a tower there that was sending out scalar waves. It was constantly sending out lasers shows, uh, signals, and you would just be entranced by it. It was, it was way worse than Disney. Um, <laughs> the Blackpool was a combination of three cities that were operating together and having active operatives there. And it's called Blackpool for a reason too. And then they had a boardwalk at Blackpool that had newspaper articles all over the whole boardwalk. So you'd walk around and it'd be like a newspaper article of 1925 or different time. And it was actually what they were doing was extrapolating um, data from our time travels and putting them on newspapers because the boardwalk was changing all the time with different newspaper dates and whatnot. But it was very confusing there and hard to break out of. It was like heavy scalar weaponry. So we did our own type of um, scalar harmonics to break out of a lot of that. Um, yeah, you could talk about that one for a long time too. Um, but basically what I want to get into is that well, old truths, old, go ahead. No, 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 no. You mentioned fighting interdimensionals. So I just want to give you a minute to qualify that statement, right? Because, okay. Um, there are beings that sit 
in different dimensions and, and not all of those are three-dimensional environments. I, I assume that you actually did go into some of these places in your missions and that's what you're talking about. And so, and so one of the examples is like these reptilian guys that can be here eating people, tearing them apart physically and, and on the soul level, the soul is also being mm-hmm. torn in sunder and then they can leave almost like step out of the dimension entirely they and you would have to fight these things in some of your missions am i correct on all of that yes or they can steal they they traffic stuff in and out of our 3d all the time when people say that they see shape-shifting reptilians at rituals in your opinion um are some of these simply the beings themselves that just step in from the other dimension it's not really like skinwalkers people that are here all the time they can do that, but they can be they can be a walk-in, but they can be um, amalgamated with the DNA and the 3D. We physically fought them all the time in our training as teenagers, and we'd see very bizarre things that they would do just for the fun of it, like have a werewolf fight a reptilian or a vampire fight a werewolf, things like that. It was grounded in 3D, and... Uh, even at Montauk, what you'd see when you were little is that you could take like a normal guy and he would slowly get taken over. And all of a sudden you'd see like black lines in his face, the nanotech and other things. Maybe a few days, a week later, he wouldn't be there anymore. And it would just be the reptilian that was in the physical, his body. Um, so I'm not, I mean, some of them are created and manufactured. Yeah. And they can drop them off by ships. Um, but it, yeah, they are physical. They can I have a both. question. Now, this is actually going to be uh, this is a personal question. So for my listening audience, please just bear with me here. Um, what happens if they program identical twins and twin them in a project and only take one of those twins over by a reptilian artificial intelligence construct and leave the other one in their physical body to navigate. And they are psychically and emotionally and ritually linked. Have you seen that? I haven't. Because what they would do mainly is twin pair, uh, twin boy, girl, um, or twins. But a lot of times males had physical counterparts and um, I've never seen that before where one in a family wasn't, I'm sure it has happened though, but that would be, I think, torture for the one that was not in the programs to be able to process what they were experiencing with no context or feeling because they would have that connection. Um, but I've, I've never come across that, Dan. <laughs> okay. All right, just all right. Yep. back to the interview mode. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. So. <laughs> personal moment um all right so so you are you you are going to explain to us how some of this connects to or you, you know you 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 were saying you you had a galactic clocks people were connected to clock contracts and mm-hmm. yes yeah, so this goes way back into what mm. i call the old world um, even old Jerusalem we saw and what we, we discovered so much in our travels 
um, even though a lot of it started out demonic, working for the enemy, working for the dark side, we experienced uh, spiritual things that set us free during our travels. One of the things that I learned in travels was that the Lord's plan for England was for um, the tribes that went there, that came from Israel and settled there, to have that generational branch and that blessing flow onto the shores, just like it did in Israel. So he wanted to continue grafting all these nations in. And that's when the Game of Thrones started. Just, you know, like there was a God-fearing king, just man, like King Aethelstan in England, first England's king. Um, but then after that, things got a little weird. Uh, so there's a book called When Scotland Was Jewish, and it's very accurate. It's about the tribe of Zara and how the tribe in Israel came Say over. Say the settled. title of that again. When Scotland Was Jewish. When Scotland Was Jewish. Okay, this is, okay. book title. Go ahead. Yes, it's a wonderful book, Tribe of Zara. Um, it describes how that tribe settled in Scotland and why Scotland was always, always at war. And it was a spiritual battle there, and that went on down into the UK and through England. So there was a lot of occult objects being transferred in that time period. There was no secret service or anything. So there was like, you know, like a magic sword of Eli or this and that and all these objects being passed around. Um, so God wanted the blessings of Deuteronomy 4.9 and Genesis 43.11 for Scotland, same as Israel. So the people settled there. Um, instead, what happened is that Things brought in like a type of dark age there. It affected other parts of the world. Um, the houses that were established, you know, like the, the house of bourbon or the house of whatnot, that is for the tribes. That's for us. That's not just for the elite. And that's what we all should have just kept with families and our tribe. If anybody wants to know how to do that, my friend helps people do that. It's called c2kreport.com. Uh, Clash of Two Kingdoms is what that's called. Um, so what we saw with this Game of Thrones that was happening was uh, the Whitby Abbey was one of the places that we went to. It's in the Highlands. And what we saw is that the kings and the queens and thrones were being usurped. And the Kingdom of Darkness was directly accosting, directly trying to come down, directly trying to rule and reign. Like, yeah, you think the queen is bad. But can you imagine if Anubis took the throne of England or something that was worse? And some of um, our operations, we saw things like that um, happen and be stopped. Um, side Turkey, I mentioned before that was one of them because the throne of Thoth was actually inside Turkey and a whole underworld and a wormhole that got sealed off in that area. So what we saw is in the Whitby Abbey, there's a high place and there's these stones that had holes in the middle of them. And we call these the eyes of the eye of the needle places. And we saw um, like a person that whose heart was bad, who was in contact with the king of darkness. We would see them go up to these high places and they were actually receiving crowns from the kingdom of darkness and bringing them in to the earth so that they could anchor and station themselves more in this round. These were like gate spots everywhere in England. There was, different gates and it all seemed to be this grid work that was connecting to higher gates, birth gates, stargates, and other things, which I'll get to Lucifer's stargate in a while too. So um, there was good kings and queens. They had dedicated altars like in the times of Israel where they did anointings, where they did things they were supposed to be doing. 
um, to have just governance, to be good people, um, dedicating things to the Lord, those meeting points. But the ones um, who were born from the work of darkness, they would actually go meet like a fallen angel at these eye of the needle spots and they would trade, they would receive objects from them and they would defile the land with those objects, like say a crown that was forged from the kingdom of darkness. Um, they would use that to bring more power from that side to the kingdoms of this world. And they kind of show a little bit of this in Jack and the Beanstalk where they take a ring. Mm. Um, Jack wears this ring that's actually a crown and then he can control all the giants with that crown. Um, so the good crowns were fought over. The evil crowns brought a lot of destruction. And these objects we saw that were brought in, um, they created like these dimensional breaches where angels literally had to come in and seal off those areas and, you know, like take this evil crown and, and take it away off of the earth, burn it because some things, like I said, could have been worse in time. So I guess you want to know about the tech, huh? <laughs> Let's go well, there. I mean, I guess that would be the next natural place to go. Tech. Okay. Yes, let's talk about it. All right. Well, we were, me and Greta Keeper were taken to different places and then we go on missions. One of them was Sid's Mouth. And this place had a lot of red caves, very vast territory. Um, we discovered on our travels things about the tech that were like from plasma we called them plasma photon fire and inside of these caves there was little scales things that looked like eggs now you see the anunnaki pictures of them carrying bags things that look like pineal glands they weren't they were called light cones and this is tech that was antediluvian from the war in heaven that got lodged into the earth and in the water and other places and scattered all over so the ancients here that were collecting this, these light cones and these things, they kind of had their own little quantum access projects going on. <laughs> they could create slaves. They could do different things with this, with the light cones. So they were also used as fuel cells too. So we observed inside of these caves, the light cones, the light eggs, the scales. This connects with dragons, Anunnaki, um, and also something called light rods. But the back in those times, there were things called terror birds, which could be considered dragons. In the Ozarks, we had giant sloths, we had bear dogs, we had hell pigs, um, a lot of cryptozoological things that are scientifically documented here. And one of them was called terror birds too. But what we saw is that the, what you would call dragons, them being able to breathe plasma photonic fire was actually an accident because when they would eat these light cones and these light fuel cells and eggs, they would breathe it out like having a seizure, like acting like spasmodically because they didn't know how to handle it or what to do with it. So there's there's other reasons why they had the red dragon on the flags and other places in Europe because they wanted to, um, to use this tech for their own purposes, harvest it for you know, whatever reasons, the sources of light tech. Um, but I think that all of this came from the Tower of Babel too, when the Tower of Babel fell and the spaceships were out. 
antediluvial re residuals, remainders. Okay, wow. Now, this is so fascinating. Um, so antediluvian meaning you're placing us in a time frame, right? Or they understood the time frame of this technology to be between Adam and Noah. Is that what, because just, you know, in my mind, we have like pre-Adamic and we, then we right. have antediluvian, which is pre-flood. So I'm just. And then um, residuals stuck in the earth, you know, like the bases are kind of like wormholes that have been there before that we just built bases on like serpent holes. That's all antediluvian stuff. Okay. That and has been here a long time. And, and, and so they were, they, they were, uh, you, you guys were looking at these things in certain caves and, and this work when you were involved in this part of the, that, that was also in the UK. Sid's mouth is, yeah, it's on the seashore. And we actually got really bad radiation poisoning from there. And we had to have a extraction from there. Um, but what we used, this is pre-Tesla stuff, is these things called light rods. And they were like very glowing light rods that you could, you know, put together. Um, and it would open up this aperture field, like a white light around you. You clink it and you step right into it and you're gone. So yeah, you can physically transport. So, so some of the tech that came to America, it all came from England. It all came from the UK and it was accidental how some of it got here. Um, but we did, we learned a lot from there. Um, energy moves on as light and then it's captured. Once you catch up to that light, to that event, then you can see it. So everything is imprinted in the universe. The light of events travels, but it doesn't dissipate. And what we learned from that is called soliton fields and a soliton period can be a little scientific. That's when a, a higher order soliton pulse evolves and then it can reproduce its original temporal and spectral shape by lack of energy in a continuous time beam. So these are solitary waves that behave like particles, but they don't break up or spread out or become weak over long distances. Mm. It's like optical fibers. They're formed when passing through materials. So everything is recorded in our minds and in the universe. We just had the privilege of, you know, seeing in different timelines and realize that intent propels the beam's direction and its, its coordinates. So we become the fabric that shapes the light, that transference, and then we become the door, the living gateways. So we are literally a body of Christ that will one day receive new bodies and, um, and the body of Christ needs to realize that these transfiguration mechanics that we learned, so many of us have already been tortured for. Um, people have already been tortured for it. So uh, we will get new bodies. I've already seen that. I've already experienced it in so many things. Um, okay. So I guess you could call them dragon rods too. Okay. All right. Kind of like um, the intensity of a white hole, black hole. Now, now, now tell me, just because I'm going to take it in this direction. Um, you guys are dealing with antediluvian tech, um, tech that connects to dragons, Anunnaki. Um, what 
if any, is the connection between dragons and Anunnaki from like what you've been exposed to? I never saw any real relationship with them that I can remember. That's not to say there wasn't, um, but my only experience. Yeah, I mean, me either. Like um, I, I've heard of the Anunnaki and and all of the influence they had, right, in that Anadiluvian world, according to the different, you know, texts and the Epic of Gilgamesh and all of that, and you know, people encounters with the Anunnaki. And then it's like you have this dragon component, and that's sitting over here, and the dragon have their like royal bloodlines and everything else, and and so. I mean, I'm kind I mean, of the main connection that I saw from a personal experience was just them hoarding the dragons, hoarding the light eggs and the light cones. And huh. and then the Anunnaki and other beings hoarding them as well and collecting them. And nobody could ever get enough of them, of the what they had lost because they lost a lot and everything was fragmented and shattered and um when everything was dispersed in the Tower of Babel. I mean, there was a lot of debris on the earth, I believe, from the Tower of Babel event. Because it didn't just like, oh, it's all dissolved in fire, nothing left, ash. It doesn't say that. It was, it was scattered. And along with our tongues, our languages, everything. Um, so with the gates, I was taken by one of the elites to a, another gate place. There's Ram's Gates, all these other gates. But one very special one it was called Eastbourne. And I went to the piers in Eastbourne and the the guy that was running me for quite a while, he said, uh, he showed me the gates there and that these gates all interlace and connect to the kingdom of darkness. And those that are born through the East gate, he said, um, this was the counterfeit Eastern star of Lucifer. Those born under the East Gate were prepared for ritual initiations for further advancement into society. Um, they come straight through Lucifer's Stargate and then are soul tagged. That's where you get soul tagged. And those not born that way are like boring and dull people. <laughs> and they're called starboard or Portsmouth. But the elites that are born through that gate were called starboard. Um, so the boring people come from a human mother they would just try to possess those bodies. Like say Queen Victoria, she was ugly, she was evil. She came directly from the kingdom of darkness. And somebody like Alex Romanov, who was human, who came from God, would try to come in next sort of balance that out. So we saw this weaving pattern and how they were always trying to weave and interject certain genetics, certain DNA into um, lineages and hijack lineages. So uh, Scarsborough connects with another place called Scar and Brick. And this is where I actually saw the Stargates. Uh, we were sent out on missions there from a Intel hotel. And one day we were taken down to the seashore and it was a checkerboard floor area that was like a portico. And it had these glass doors all around it. And there was a witch that was running a so-called meditation group with us called sun therapy so i didn't know what was going on but i knew it was something weird because this red and black curtains were around our, our room we were outside you know the, the top of the area was was open and it was right by the seashore 
So we start in this guided meditation and um, things got really strange really fast. It was a hypnosis is what it was. And it was invoking the dark sun in Scarsboro. And as I was laying there, I, I was trying to fight this meditation because I knew I was going into deeper levels where I didn't want to go or be paralyzed. And I just kind of remember laying there and not having much willpower. And it's like I almost whimpered. And I didn't think that God heard me, but he did. And in that moment, my spirit gets pulled out of my body. I'm on the seashore and I'm standing right on the seashore with Yahushua. And I think I was near death because at this moment I heard the stargate open above us and I heard like the mouth of hell. And I'm, I'm like, that's it. I'm getting flushed out the backside of hell. Like I'm just going to be like a chip head drone for the rest of my life. That's, that's what I was thinking. Um, because I was physically, I was seeing the stargate that was above me. Now, what Lucifer's stargate looks like is um, just a gaping open mouth of hell. It's got circles. It's got a bunch of souls trapped in it when it opens. And I looked up, um, there was souls being ripped apart in it. There was souls being all sorts of things were happening to these souls, but people get like, it's like a conveyor belt. Almost they get trapped in, in his stargate for some reason. And then the farther you go into a stargate, it's like a wormhole and you lose memory the farther in it you go. And it was gruesome. It was, it was very ugly. Um, it was literally Hasatan stargate chewing up and spitting out souls. That's, all of that it did. And I realized that my soul was up there and, and I was, I was pretty panicky, but the Lord was showing me this because he told me, he showed me this because at a future date, he would un, unlock it, time release it so that my, uh, my seer abilities or abilities and whatnot would be used for him to give him glory and not for that kingdom anymore. So I'm looking up and for some reason he shut out the sound. I couldn't hear the sound of Lucifer's Stargate anymore. And I just looked down like in shame and I'm like, and I said, why am I being recycled? Because at this point I'd already lived many lives. My spirit was not understanding what was happening. And, and he just calmed every piece and part of me. <laughs> And it's like he put his hand out and he just like the day that the sun stood still for Joshua. That was like a moment with the Lord here. He just he showed his sovereign power. Like, yes, this thing, this stargate is here and it's real, but I have the power to shut it up. And just like that, it was like I didn't even see it. And I just focused my focus on his face then. Um. So I said that, and then he looked at me, he looked right through me and he said, no, my child, I was like, doesn't heaven want me? And he's like, no, my child, since you had hid your soul the way that I taught you to, the enemy can't devour you up there and your true destiny can be fulfilled. So I saw souls being set free from Lucifer's Stargate. Some choose to stay up there, but some can just come right down. And then he showed me his Stargate. And Yahushua's Stargate is the complete opposite 
I mean, it is like, you know, semantics where you put frequency and vibration on sand and you speak death into one and it's just like garbled shapes that don't do anything. But his was like a star that was being perfected continually. And it was like crystal waterfalls and perfection and joy happening all at once. And there was no end to the beauty in his Stargate. And it was completely life-giving, life-birthing, whereas the other one was just showing death. Um, so yeah, he showed his, his sovereign power over that. And after that, for some reason, I got put back into my body. I was able to, the, the room was dark, so I got able to walk out the door and, <laughs> and I was gonna escape. And I went down a tunnel that was by the seashore and I had a, I think it was a Romanian handler. He had dark hair and he, he noticed me and he started following me down to that tunnel spot. And there was a blood barrier between us in that moment. And I was in the middle of the tunnel and he was at the end of the tunnel and he could not pursue me for some reason. So the Lord literally hides us sometimes. We're hidden in Christ. And I didn't have to go back to that place. And I was actually allowed to be set free. Um, so that was a miracle. But this should bring a new level of deliverance for people because people are literally born through Lucifer's Stargate. And some people are literally born through Yahushua's Stargate. And it's been a battle. And uh, people get caught up in the wrong one. But they can get out of it. Wow. So really, like, star seeding doesn't really matter because you're either a child of the light or you're a child of the darkness. You know, I've, I've seen stars in Yahushua's Stargate. And Lucifer's Stargate is definitely corruptible, and it is corrupting, and it only feeds and is alive and exists because of the energy that we give it. But Yahushua's is incorruptible. So, so after this... And, you know, what I would call certain Game of Thrones situations was born a line that was called the Weavers. And the Weavers weren't ever a bloodline. They interjected themselves as witches with the Game of Thrones, with the usurping of thrones into, into siring uh, lineages and offsprings. So, like, the ones who were born from, from Lucifer's Stargate or stolen from the Messiah's Stargate... Um, they used them and their generations to usurp many things. And some of those were thrones. So it, it was a major trespass and it jammed up some of the work of heaven for a while. Um, so some people were born dark side. Some people were born light side is what I saw. So there's soul hunters out there. And the Bible talks about them that are hunting for souls and those that have been soul tagged and brought up into, um, Lucifer Stargate. So they're still tracking them. And what they do is I think they, they speak a false destiny over them and in a false future. Okay. Well, let me just ask this question. Uh, which Stargate do you think you came through? I'm a child of the light. I know I was born from Yahushua. He showed me pre-existence things but somehow along the line I do know that I I was sold and 
and trafficked and other things. And some of it was with my own consent. Um, but I know that I am a child of God. I'm a child of the light. But I have seen both and how real these things are. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Lucifer's target can recycle. And that's what he's been doing with people. Like I felt like I was being recycled. So when people say that they're, they've lived other lives and people don't know how to even wrap their minds around it, like how that's possible. That's one of the reasons why it's possible. Um, no, other lives that, that, that is a uh, massive can of worms. And, um, but I do, I, I am, I am curious because, uh, this is part of your experience set. Right. And so, I, I do want to just let you speak to that from your perspective a little bit. Now, now obviously, the traditional Christian perspective is, well, you know, as pointed out to man, wants to die after that, the judgment. So you just come in, you leave your life, you die physically, and then you will be judged based on how you stewarded that life on earth. No reincarnation, no anything else. But you know, when you start introducing time travel, cloning, clone bodies, clones in time travel, um, and then more fantastic stuff that I, 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 I am beginning to get reports on. I'm not ready to talk about yet, but um, it, there just seems to be a way to bring a little bit more diversity to the to the conversation. And um, so, anyway, I I have definitely heard of people for years and years. You know, they go to these gurus they go to these uh past life uh you know uh um they, they, they kind of pull you back into them through meditative techniques and then people get these experiences and encounters and then they say well clearly this happened and you know i, I mean i don't know if i buy all of that but 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 i do want to let you talk a little bit about what you mean when you say i had already lived many lives by that point um, yeah, I think that goes to soul consciousness transfer for one, and that is a scientific uh, practice. It's an ancient practice, and it's been going on for thousands of years, actually. I know that the soul is judged once, and I've seen the soul is what the Lord of hosts collects at the end, and all souls answer to the Lord of hosts. But our bodies have been manipulated so much that even Moshe was so full of light that when he died, the Lord had to hide his body himself so that Hasatan wouldn't steal the body and try to clone it and, and fool people with it. So it's nothing new under the sun. Um, I would say it's a lot of soul transference and consciousness. And also it's been scientifically proven that you can record and have access to seven generations in your bloodline and actually retrieve those memories. And they've done a lot of studies on that too. So it, may not be a past life that people are recalling, but something that is in their genetic blueprint. So, so specifically, you would say, Daniel, because of soul consciousness transfer technologies, I had lived many lives by that point. Would that be your perspective? It would, and the 20 and backs, um, because I know that we have been <laughs> in many different bodies. And not just one. So there is mysteries in the earth and things. I think that a lot more light's going to be shed on that might help people 
understand some of the ways that we've been manipulated and our genetics too. One of the things that I still can't really wrap my mind around is that in the projects, we also saw what we call like wing riders. And we would hear these beings in the atmosphere. You could hear them before they would come down. It would almost sound like a wind was coming or something. And we would see them somehow riding the circuit of the sun. Like they were hijacking, like hijackers behind the sun and somehow using the energy of the sun as it circuited like in an ellipse. And that may have something to do with hollow earth. I think that's a piece to hollow earth maybe um, because even in Freemasonry, they show the two pillars, you know, in the sun and then the sun inside of like hollow earth. But somehow there's like a, an interdimensional portal that happens with these sun riders that I saw. And because a lot of times we didn't know like where, where they went. We observed, we documented, but it's like we couldn't keep track of all of them. And memories, you can't keep track of all your memories either. I, you know, uh, speaking of that, I, I, I happen to be of the frame of mind that in Revelation 13, we're, we're, we're told a whole lot. Um, it describes the beast from the sea, the beast from the earth, and the image of the beast. Um, and I, I really believe that Antichrist has a deep connection into literally the underwater spirit kingdom and its networks. Um, I believe the false prophet is definitely deeply connected to hollow earth and all of its groups and uh, bloodlines. And I, I, I definitely think that the image of the beast is the artificial intelligence kingdom convergence. And <laughs> yeah, we, we documented wormholes. There was three main ones that connects with exactly what you're saying. Um, London had a lion wormhole. Um, Orion was used a lot, an eight-pointed cross for Orion, which looks like an umbrella when you unfold it. And these were activation sites too. And then there's a snake wormhole that's under the Vatican, it's 0.17 miles. So it's like a puzzle to get out of because they pair it with technology and they created a wormhole underneath the Vatican that feeds the pit. And it's very hard to get out of that one because people think wormholes are really fast and whatnot, but what they did was with the Vatican snake wormhole because it looks like a snake and a crown even with the Vatican in the rooms. There's physical manifesting snake beings in there. Um, the, the tech actually is antimatter tech and it makes the wormhole flow. It makes time flow backwards underneath there. So that's why it's one of the worst wormholes there is that recently got closed and was so hard to get out of. And Opus Day had had a, a rite where they would put you through the three wormholes. You know, they always do the three, like an unholy trinity. And they sent operatives through those, all three of those wormholes. And the other one is a dragon wormhole. And it's inverse light, makes time flow backwards, and it's paired with the tech. So you gotta decouple and override the tech. And what it does, there's a time wheel underneath the Vatican is what it created. Um, so they've been in league with principalities, powers, rulers. They've established platforms here. We saw their grid workings, their gates, um, these wormhole systems, these stargates, um, and these capped stargates was the coolest thing that we saw because there was a way that 
angels can come in warfare and cap them off, can block them off, can block off wormholes, can seal things. So like an entity would try to come through and hit its head and not, not today, Satan, like you're not coming through. And then they wouldn't have that territory anymore or that, that region. And what's weird inside Turkey, they still have underneath the city remnants of the underworld. There's walkways where it's nothing but glass. And when you look in the earth, you can see ancient pillars and ancient relics of a real battle that happened. Um, but a lot of it was interdimensional. So they, they, they pair with technology a lot. And that's what takes the skill and the effort to get out. Um, and I believe Leviathan is Allah and his followers. So when all those wormholes collapse, that's when we're really going to see people um, freak out. And they're already trying to, to summon him on a worldwide level. <laughs> so fascinating. Okay. Now, um, you had, you know, before we did this, I said you wanted to talk about the time from the year 1100 to 2027, and specifically 2027. Uh, which is about four years from now. And um, are we ready to go to that? Or were there a few other pieces you wanted to just put out there? Um, well, those dates I mentioned, because those were the, we were sent in as like a type of time crusader and documented mainly from 1100 to that point. Um, not really sure what I can say about that. There's been a lot of eating away, I would say, at history from those points. And what I've described as the results of this interference, these time invasions, like a lot of people were sent in time, but not everyone came out. Um, I went down to Little Rock, Arkansas, and on the wall there, there was a saying that says, they tried to bury us, but didn't realize we were seeds. And that's what this reminds me of, like how people can survive a time travel program or whatnot um, because there's a day coming when all the rocks will cry out in silence. Um, there's already shifting of like the old world things, land masses, islands, other things that I think are going to continue to shift and reveal a lot that's, that's been buried in time. So the seeds that they tried to bury, um, a lot of them have been saved, resurrected despite all sorceries, erasing, um, we saw a lot of fulfillment of prophecies in our travels, and I think um, what's going to emerge now with current world events and stuff is a wholly new tree. Um, what I mean by that is like the axe I see is at a lot of these roots of other trees, a lot of evil governments that we've interfaced with, because God is government. Um, and we're going to see a breaking away from Babylon into newer forms for mankind to be able to, to work with God and bring his government down, how to realize how to govern justly and how to act justly. And what I can also tell you is that there's a lot of organizations that are within organizations right now that will be spearheading those organizations. So not everything is as it seems because God has his people everywhere. Um, and that's for the sake of preservation of future plans and hopefully to bring us all back to a return to the ancient path, like Jeremiah 6, 16 talks about. And that's, that'll continue into 2027. 
So I can't like actively say that I'm involved with one group or another because of people's people's lives and things that are at stake right now. Wow. Um, all right. So what what now I know I I, I believe that there are certain things that are specifically at work in, in the US for sure. I mean, what do you think the next several years are going to mean for the UK under their current situation? The UK is kind of like a love-hate relationship, the same that I've had with a lot of places. Um, the UK has so much beauty and so many wonderful things and places that have been touched by God there, but also it's stained with a lot of darkness because so much of its government and people have chosen to align themselves and to stay in a dark place. Um, I'm going to continue to pray for the UK. I know that they're going to have breakthroughs, um, but as far as like, you know, the prophecies are out for revival. The main one is the Netherlands, not the UK, that the Netherlands is going to to have a touch of God, which will be very needed. And I believe that prophecy will come true because it's been called the lowlands for a long time in the center for a lot of things. And it's like a, a swamp that also needs to be drained. Um, the UK, I think will just, you know, have tribes sorted out like back in the day and people who are with God aligning themselves together and forming, but the government, I don't really have much hope for in the UK and it's going towards a very pro-Muslim direction in all directions, as far as I can currently see. Why do you associate Allah with Leviathan? I think it's because I heard that as a nickname that people were using, and it comes from the Marine Kingdom. It's just something that I've always associated um, the dragon serpent lines with, like one of uh, just a nickname that's always been attributed to him. Because like female and male spirits usually work together, like Abaddon, Leviathan, one's male, one's female. They could be the leaders of Scientology and manifest those entities um, when they surface. So I don't know. I've 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 heard a lot of nicknames for a lot of different entities. That's probably why. Okay. All right. Now, just coming back to some of the other points that you were making. Okay. So, uh, we're talking about a whole lot of things, but, you know, at, at the center of a lot of what you say, the subject of time wars is this like a central theme where it's like things are changing all the time as a result of these these time wars so in 2023 what kind of time wars are happening now what's being contested mm -hmm. or do you know um, a lot of it's in space now. Um, 
I can't really say a lot about it, but uh, on the spiritual platform, I would say that synchronicity has happened to bring all the timelines together, closing loopholes and being able to get back on God's timeline. But the, the hidden tech and stuff itself, that's still the number one thing that's waged for. And it's suppressed still. We should have free energy by now. We should have so many things now. You can extract H3 from the sun and feel the earth. All these things that are just still controlled. Um, that's still the number one. You can call it Tesla tech, um, whatever you want. But um, I would say that those are still the main um, operations is bringing those to the surface and clearing out the rest of the bases. And sea bases. And who's... Go ahead. You mentioned the Marine. Um, last thing I'll say about um, <laughs> what you said and when we were talking about the Vatican earlier is that when I told you about the time wheel and everything that connects down to the unholy sea in the pit, one of those horns, one of those heads that will rise up out of the sea in the beast, I think that is the Vatican will be those oceanic sea cables and the amalgamation of technology and Marine computers, because that's the main source of communications in the water. And somehow I think it will emerge. So it's not going to be just like, Oh, this King is the horn over there. I think it's going to be something that will make people have heart attacks. That's, that's a, an amalgamation of, of tech underwater thing servicing and the Vatican paired in itself as like a, a type of ancient Hydra that needs its head cut off because that's where Hydra went mainly is in the Vatican and all arms of Hydra. Food for thought, but um, what I've shared, that's well, and, but, but see, we're sitting here. You're like, I'm not ready to talk about the Vatican, Daniel. I'm like, well, maybe I, we, <laughs> maybe we need to talk a little more about the Vatican. Like, hold on, hold on. You're pressing in. I know it'll be <laughs> for the right timing. Um, but yeah, that's the the summary of what I'd wanted to share with you, Case, and food for thought and whatnot. Um, but before we close, too, I had another word on October seventeenth, when whenever you want to close, that I'd also like to share for the endpoints. Okay. Um, all right. So, so I guess uh, we'll we'll hear that. Um, I'm just looking at my notes that I've been making as you've been talking. Uh, uh, if there's anything else I want to have you comment on before you get to that. I, I just think, you know, that the, the reality, the reality of the what we experience is much more complex. And, you know, look, from my perspective, what I, when, I'm, when I'm helping people, I am running into this multidimensional, um, reality all the time, the trafficking of soul parts and the quantum connections that, that establishes between bodies, timelines, realms, uh, different dimensions. Uh, people are plugged into networks and, and, and don't even understand why, you know, their paycheck doesn't come in on time. And it's like, but when you start looking at these things in the spirit, wow, you know, and, and, um, the, you know, yet the size and scope of the problem in the world that you have a way of languaging, Jerusha. 
I think, you know, that is quite profound is still under the ultimate jurisdiction and rule of Jesus Christ, his power is greater and his ability is supreme to anything that even we don't understand yet. And so I always like to remind people like on that level, like, look, listen, Jesus is still boss, but let's, Absolutely. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my highest hope is just to at this time in the time wars, correct the, the convoluted history, the, historical ley lines, restoring order, restoring fundamental truth and reason, and the raw beauty like that we saw in the UK, the highlands, all those things, like um, trying to find the good in things and to bring those into focus and to put your focus on those. Um, and just to reflect, like, if all these things happened in the past and uh, Rome's the last ruling kingdom on earth, who's the highest military, there's your answer. And arms of Hydra, how they all went in there, um, how the international banking was stolen from the hearts of kings way back in the day. Like, how does this apply to, to now? Um, the same the same games, I guess, have been being played. They're just reformed. They're in different fashions. The same entities exist. They're just doing modern day things. And just to have discernment and ask the Lord for like a new level or a new anointing of discernment to be able to um, to go into those areas and to see things how he sees them. So so that things won't be so frightening or scary and our hearts won't fail us and we can be in God's army and be um, be strong in him. Amen. But, you know, just to kind of bring it back to some of the other things that you were suggesting, you know, um, especially with these interdimensional beings. I mean, this is the thing that, you know, we, we, we do we really do have to wrap our minds around. I mean. You know, you mentioned it's like, what if Thoth actually was sitting on the throne over this country or what if, uh, you know, it was Anubis or what? And, and the, but the thing is, these guys physically were here for actual human kingdoms at different eras in human history already, like it's already happened. <laughs> and, yep. and, and that's that whatever this thing that restrains is like that we talk about in the book of second Thessalonians, like, well, yes. that was there three, four, 5,000 years ago, but yet set Anubis nuts. Like the, all these guys were here physically walking around. People saw them and interacted with them in a very personal way. Um, in addition to Enki and Enlil and the Anunnaki's that were definitely here in an antediluvian context. Like, yeah, we had these angels on Mount Hermon and they were having children and all, but the Anunnaki were here. Like there's all yes. of this has already happened in the past and you know, they we, left we, relics too. You think about like all the the things that the queen and the Nazis tried to steal and the occult objects and the spear of Longinus and the stone of scone and all these ancient artifacts. Like they want them all because they know that that's like an anchor point and that can make a bigger breach eventually for a higher entity to come through. So, you know, I don't have like an encyclopedia of grid work <laughs> and all the things that we discovered, but it is literally a, a grid work that is on the earth. Like you've talked about the poverty grids, how they laid them in and they did this through the throne 
assertions, laying like a Masonic grid or other grids in and the weavers and they just kept laying it in over time, but it's man's choice and willpower to give uh, our stewardship over all the kingdoms of the earth over little by little. So they chip away at that and then they can have governance. But I, I can't wait for, for God's right government to come down and us to get prepared to bring heaven down and to understand that God is government. He said, all power and authority was given to me and he gave it to us. Not a little bit, but all power and authority in the earth. And yet so many believers don't step into it or believe that when it says all. All right, uh, can I ask a question? All right, so this is one of the things, and, and after this, we'll, we'll, we'll get to your closing statements. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I read in Genesis is, you know, God says to man, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, and, and, and one of the things that I really feel like the Lord <laughs> pointed out to me is, it didn't say surface, fill the surface of the earth and subdue it. The, the original command was to subdue the whole thing. Uh, I, and I, I really don't think the plans of God materialize until people learn how to pray into and administrate the power of God to the realms in the deep underwater kingdoms and the inner and hollow earth realms. What do you think? I would agree with that, all of it. And I've seen it firsthand and I've seen God and his angels just step in and something that you think is going to like ruin a nation or a crown or something just terribly, terribly evil and ominous, just burn and take away with his hand in holy fire. And he has that ability to intercede for us and to, his arm is not short. He can reach anywhere. Like the eye of the needles that we saw in the exchanges with the hands, he can just come in in a moment and change a timeline like that. So that that person, that king never got that. And that rulership was snuffed out. Like he can do above and beyond anything that we can imagine. And, and he'll bring back remembrance of those miracles and those marvelous things that he's done. All right. You had something you also wanted to share. All right. So last thoughts. I got this word October 17th and it starts off Psalms 34, 11. My children listen as I teach you to respect the Lord. The way of the worldly is like the ones who cast lots for the raiments of the Lord and sell the soulful out piece by piece. But I put them back together when they seek my face. Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That faith that works unto wonders is what threads the goodness and mercy that follows you all the days of your life. Isaiah 65, my chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. So do not look at your hands as empty, but see them as full because I am holding them and have carved the rest of you into the palm of my own hands. First John 4, 17, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Life is the resistance band that love works through to show you how to work it all out and how all things work together for the good for those who love me. Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The God who formed the pillars of the earth with wisdom can form the pillars of heaven into man. 2 Colossians 12, 9. 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. If you believe you are strong in me, you will see the power in my name. John 16, 13. The spirit of truth will lead you and tell you what is to come. Let the Shekinah comfort as clouds of grace and blow off the dross as a blanket of purifying fire as you walk through the boundaries of the earth. Look for my light and search for my glory so my kingdom can come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, says the living God. Wow. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jerusha, for continuing to articulate uh, what a lot of, I think, our listeners will maybe understand five years from now. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I can trip over my words a little bit, but I, I think I got some, some good points driven through. <laughs> we appreciate you. And I really do. I really do appreciate you. And I appreciate the way that you communicate. And um, when it's the right time, we will uh, come back and do the deep dive on the Vatican and uh, everything you're sitting on on that subject. So, friends, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.